You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name. Joining me as always is my good friend Frank Madden. And Frank, I I think we saw pretty much what we expected from over the weekend. The Bucks lose 91-85 to the Miami Heat on Friday night. And then they win 111-104 against the Orlando Magic on Saturday. And I would assume going into this weekend, we probably both would have predicted that the Bucks might split this one where they they lose to the Heat and beat the Magic. I would guess that was kind of the way we were looking at this, and I think it sort of played out that way. A ugly game on Friday night. Giannis struggled against the Heat and just wasn't really able to get anything going, and then on, on Saturday it looked very much like the second night of a back-to-back for much of it, but the Bucks pulled away in the end and ended up being the Magic team that they're better than, and I think that's about right. Yeah, I mean, I think when Joe Prenti started, one of the things he preached was consistency. Um, I think if you tell me what are the two things Joe Prenti would talk a lot about, it was consistency night to night as well as, um, you know, getting better every day, right, which is a, a fantastic coaching cliche. Um, <laughs> and, and I don't know about the latter, but I know about certainly the consistency and certainly from a results perspective, um, the Bucks have been extremely predictable and consistent. They've beaten pretty much every team they should. And they've lost to basically the the two games that you would have expected them to lose in Minnesota and in Miami. Um, they lost those two games, and uh, certainly Friday night's game. I, I don't know how you'd characterize the final score. You know, ninety one eighty five being maybe flattering to the Bucks or um, accurate uh, representation of um, of what happened because certainly that third quarter was just a disaster, which fortunately is not the first time we've seen those kinds of third quarters in Miami. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think the results were predictable. I think we'll have to ask uh, our friend Matt Moore, uh, since he's now tracking um, at the Action Network, you know, spreads and performance against spreads and things like that. Um, I'd be curious what the Bucks have been since Joe Prenti came on board, because it seems like they've generally handled all the bad teams pretty, pretty well. A lot of double-digit wins. Um, obviously, they didn't didn't get one in, in Orlando, but um, seven-point margin there. And then, uh, obviously, these couple games that maybe would have been, you know, those measuring stick games that would have said, "Hey, this Bucks team is really really different. Maybe they maybe they are much better than than they were." Um, they've lost those two games, but you know, overall, as you said, probably we got what we should have expected. And you know, I guess we'll we'll have to see kind of the whether that consistency continue um, because certainly if they can keep beating the bad teams. You know, the bright side is um, you'd expect them to steal some wins against games you know, against teams that, that maybe you wouldn't expect them to be or that they'd be not favored against. Um, but obviously, you know, it's kind of the glass half empty, glass half full situation. Yeah, looking at that game on Friday night, I guess we can start there. Just a struggle for Giannis. Uh, eight for twenty-one on the night, twenty-three points, eleven rebounds, three assists, a steal, two blocks. 
as we mentioned last week, good to see those steals and blocks come back, but five turnovers and just generally appearing lost throughout that game. And uh, I know that 23 points and 11 rebounds like, can look somewhat respectable, but I think his final line is less indicative of the game he played than maybe the score being less indicative of the game that was played uh, just because uh, it, it he just never had any flow and just couldn't get anything going. And I think it what's interesting is – I had people ask, why is it that Giannis struggles so much against this Heat team and maybe other guys don't and the Heat haven't been like the best defense in the league or anything like that? And I, I think it's pretty simple with Giannis. Like James Johnson is one of the guys that can be physical with him and make it tough for him out on the perimeter. And on top of that, they probably have a couple other guys that can do that as well. Bam Adebayo uh, played 32 minutes, and he can be kind of physical as well. Um, maybe Justin Winslow, Justice Winslow and Josh Richardson to a lesser extent. Like All those guys can be physical, and I think Spo has gotten to a spot where he gets a little bit more leeway with the officials and his teams can play a little bit more physical, and the Heat take full advantage of that on the perimeter against Giannis. And then... You look at Whiteside at the rim, he's there, um, and obviously he affects a ton of shots from Giannis, and he's gotten Giannis a number of time with blocks. And then they're all coached by Eric Spolstra. Like, uh, when you look at that, that is all levels of coverage. Like It isn't just a good wing defender. It's a good wing defender plus a good big, and it's not just a good wing and a good big. It's a good wing, a good big, in, and one of the best coaches in the league. Like those three things are going to make the night tough on, I don't want to say just about anyone, but certainly someone with the same skill profile as Giannis. Like, if you are unable to kind of shoot it and take advantage of your quickness on the outside, James Johnson can kind of eat you up uh, physically, and then Whiteside can be there at the rim. And I, I struggled to say, like, what's the solution or anything like that because there just might not be. Like, this just might be a matchup that is really bad for Giannis. It, it, but at the same time, if he's going to be one of the best players in the league and, and he's going to be an MVP candidate, like, you do have to figure out how to get better in those situations. And he just hasn't seemed to have an answer yet for this Heat team. Yeah, I think it was interesting. I mean, you know, the first and fourth quarters were – very good quarters actually for Giannis. I mean, he scored all of his points in the first and fourth quarters. He had eight, I think, on three of five shooting in the first quarter. Um, then he had 15 points in the fourth quarter. And, you know, you can argue he shouldn't have even bothered playing in the fourth quarter because of the deficit the Bucks had. And, um, you know, credit to Giannis. I mean, he was the driving force between behind them actually making that game respectable. I think they got it, to, what, to three points a couple times. Um, I think there was one shot, like one play midway through the fourth where Tony Snell had a wide open look at a three that would have, I think, maybe cut it to six. Um, and that would have made it, you know, I think much more of a game than it ended up being. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I think the, um, the, the question for Giannis is, you know, how do you kind of sustain that? Because he missed eight straight shots in those middle two quarters, um, going from three and three or five in the first quarter. All of those were dunks, by the way, off of basically nice feeds. And so obviously one thing you'd say is, well, you know, how do you avoid just making it a one-on-one game with Giannis trying to score on James Johnson, which, you know, we saw him even when he had a head of steam. He tried to Eurostep him once. Johnson stripped him going to the basket. He tried to, you know, go at him in transition, but Johnson just blocked him going to his right. Um, you know, he's just a tough matchup, and he's a tough matchup against, you know, 
for anybody that that you know is is a big guy even with handles like Giannis. So um, so I think kind of getting Giannis going with you know trying to get him switch, trying to get situations where he's not going against James Johnson. We saw him subbed out um, early in the third quarter after he kind of start, started out struggling um, and they brought in Jabari and obviously he didn't have much more success. I think he had like one bucket and you know that really didn't stop the bleeding. They brought in Giannis a bit later. Um, and the interesting was James Johnson, you said, didn't even start this game, which I was surprised by because Johnson has obviously been a really tough cover for, for Giannis um, and they just went with Justice Winslow. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I think it's just one of these things like, you know, just coaching trying to get him the ball on the go against different guys. Um, you know, we saw him have some success with, as a role man. Um, you know, Eric Bledsoe got him a, a couple of dunks that way. And, you know, it's again, as you said, it's just sort of a, a process for him of, of trying to get better and become more consistent because when you have those middle two quarters going 0 for 8 with zero points, I mean, you know, that that's a pretty good starting point for how the Bucks get held to, what, eight points in the third quarter and get outscored by 22, you know, when your MVP candidate is held without a point and, and can't make a shot. I mean, that's um, that's a recipe. But on the flip side also, you know, give you honest credit. He got going to the basket in that fourth quarter, hit a three, ironically, to start. Um, that's what got him his first bucket since the first quarter, which maybe wasn't what you'd expect him to do to kind of get off the schneid. Um, and then he really got going to the basket um, and was able to get some three-point plays. And, um, you know, certainly I think the physicality was an issue for him all game. I thought he took a bunch of hits, yeah. um, especially in those middle two quarters, didn't get called. And, you know, I mean, it's one of those things like I always struggle to kind of blame officiating for stuff. Um, it seemed like they finally gave him some benefit of the doubt in that final minute or two um, when they weren't going to give him a, an and one. And then he they politicked his way and they for then they did give him an and one where, he, you know, it might not have been a continuation. So, um, so yeah, I mean, it, it's difficult. And obviously you give him credit because, you know, um, he came out in that fourth quarter, whether he should have been out there or not. Uh, he showed he was still a star. He got his points. You know, he, I think, was what well, he had 15 points. He had both of his blocks and his only steal in that fourth quarter. And obviously, he kind of willed the Bucks into that game where, you know, certainly after three quarters, they, they looked pretty much dead to rights. I'm sort of, I'm a little bit conflicted here because it would be nice to see the Bucks win a playoff series. So I desperately don't want to see them play the Miami Heat uh, just because it, it seems like such a bad matchup for them but then there's also part of me that thinks you know you got to go through stuff like you have to kind of face this head on and I, I almost wish there could just be like a six game series in the middle of the regular season where Giannis could attempt to figure out just play the Heat for a week straight and just figure out how you can beat them and how you can get better and do those things because I mean there's going to be there's going to be tests like this throughout his career and trying to figure out and solve that puzzle like I just think is always such a big step in and really any great player's career like you have to go through those teams you have to go through uh just playing them and figuring out how it is that you're going to beat them like that's just something that uh, feels like a, a regular struggle for for anyone like Jordan had to go through the Pistons and the Pistons beat the crap out of him and made him play bad and he just couldn't f find his way through and then eventually he did and I don't know I don't think the Heat are that chapter because uh, I don't think the Heat are are going to be a great team going forward but Man, there's just part of me that just wants to see Giannis play them ten times in a row, so he can attempt to figure out exactly how to get through it. So um, interesting there. Rest of that game, I, I think Bledsoe 
19 points on 8 of 15 shooting, uh, 6 assists, 4 steals, 2 blocks. Uh, ended up having a pretty decent night. I, I don't know that I ever felt like he was ever really dominating the game or really had any flow, but he ends up with with a night that wasn't really all that bad. Chris Middleton was not good. 5 of 14 from the field, 1 of 3 from 3, 14 points, 2 assists, 2 seals, just really not much there for him. And then, then I guess the other thing I want to talk about before we move on to the Magic game was Jabari just kind of looking a little bit lost in that one. Um, and, and obviously there was that moment in the first half where they get, let's see, who was covering him at the – was it D-Wade at the time? Um, D-Wade – I think it was D-Wade. Jabari has him on the right wing. Uh, they try to post him up. Wade tips the ball out, and then Jabari kicks it out to Giannis, and then the idea was repost. Like, let's just repost. That's a good matchup for you. Bully ball him. And immediately, instead of doing that, Parker goes to the corner, kind of turns his back on the play, sits in the corner, and then as he's doing that – Fiery Joe Prunty, not positive Joe Prunty. Smoking Joe Prunty. He's getting after it, and he's all over Jabari. Then he needs to get back in the post, and Jabari kind of waves him off and and points to Jason Terry, who was making his way over to Giannis to set a screen, when it it clearly was not what the Bucs wanted to do. They wanted that Jabari post up because they thought it was a mismatch and, and something he could create. So that possession ends, I think, with a foul on Giannis as he drives to his left side. Um, but then after it, obviously, Pronti talks Jabari through it. And it it was just such a weird scene from someone who can be so aggressive uh, offensively and who can make such strong plays. And obviously, uh, we always talk about bully ball Bari. And then in the end, it just kind of wasn't there. And he just moved to the corner. And unfortunately, on Saturday, this meant when – the Bucks announced that he'd be out because he was on a back-to-back on a torn ACL. Not for any other reason. I had multiple people ask, oh, is this disciplinary for the that moment he had with – no, it wasn't. But I do still think that that moment was interesting because it was – I don't want to say the first time Jabari had really looked like he didn't have much flow, but certainly – since he's been back, like I thought that was the most kind of lost he looked was against the Heat. Yeah, and I mean, if it wasn't Wade, I mean, Wayne Ellington was guarding him for long stretches of that that game when he was in as well. Um, and especially when you have Giannis and Jabari out there, um, you know, there are not a lot of teams that can put, you know, two, two James Johnsons out there against both of those guys. And, um, you know, that's the thing. I mean, we talked about it last year. You know, Michael Beasley was often sort of the, I, I refer to him as sort of the, the icebreaker, you know, these, yep. <laughs> these ships that go through the Arctic and break through ice when everything's kind of frozen or whatever. And Beasley was one of those guys, like when the Bucks got bogged down, you just throw him the ball and you didn't have to move around and run good offense and he could just go and get you some buckets and give you, you know, six points in a few minutes and, um, you know, try to get you a little bit out of a funk or at least carry you through a funk. And um, certainly Jabari... It, that that's not necessarily always his nature, right? Especially right now, when he's coming back from injury, he sense that he really wants to play in the flow of things, not force things. Um, but you know, again, I mean, if Jabari's going to be a guy that you want to pay a lot of money to and commit to as a big part of your future, then he's got to be a guy who can just go out and get you buckets. And yep. uh, you know, again, in the first week of his comeback, you know, again, I'm I'm not going to hold him to the highest standard of you know aggression and productivity, um, especially given that we saw pretty good things from him in the first three games, but. Um, certainly he fell into the same trap as you know the Bucks more broadly I think of you know just sort of letting the Bucks punk him 
or letting the, the heat punk them on on yeah. on, uh, on Friday and um, you know Jabari basically running away from a chance to to post up when basically his coach and his whole team was was looking for him to be aggressive and, and try to go get a bucket. So um, so yeah, that was that was definitely uh, a low light among many low lights in that game, <laughs> as you said. I think you know Bledsoe, the only guy who really had a you know an efficient stat line, um, and you know as usual, kind of like kind of typical stuff that that people will not like about Eric Bledsoe sometimes you know forcing shots and things like that or, or at least looking like he was forcing shots um but uh but yeah I mean it's it's um it, it was obviously a game where um you needed guys to help out with Giannis struggling a bit and Bledsoe I think you know at least certainly statistically did his part um and I think Giannis and, and Bledsoe I think both had positive um net rate you know positive net ratings in that game um but Middleton unfortunately I mean this is like it's it's a bit of a refrain. You play against a good defensive team, a pretty good playoff team. Where's Chris Middleton? Yeah, you know, he's not. He's not giving you enough. Um, you know, he was not effective. And you know, Marcus Johnson said on Saturday against the Magic, he was like, "Oh, you, you know," he said something the fact that he knew Chris was going to come out and play better. And yeah, and obviously the snarky comeback would be that Chris Middleton has a nasty habit of not showing up <laughs> against playoff teams, against teams that play well defensively, and yep. showing you this weekend kind of just further reiterated that narrative you know Middleton really a bystander didn't really stand out against the heat in any positive way and obviously then on Saturday you know Marcus Johnson I remember early in that game makes a comment of you know knowing that Chris was gonna come out and play better against the magic and you know it's like well yeah it's because the magic suck right yep. <laughs> so um so that that's obviously kind of an ongoing thing that has been a bit of a bummer and you know, again, I mean, it, I think it's been positive. A week ago, we were worrying about Bledsoe. He had been playing really poorly. Um, he's now strung together a number of solid, you know, efficient scoring games in a row where he's been doing kind of, you know, Eric Bledsoe stuff, getting steals, blocks, um, making plays, eight assists uh, on Saturday against the Magic. Um, so he's been effective, right? And, and again, I realize people may not be view Eric Bledsoe as the, the, the perfect guy for this roster, but, you know, he's doing he's doing positive things. And, and obviously, uh, you know, if Giannis has a bad night, um, it, you're probably going to need more than just blood. So, and especially with, you know, the bench being obviously pretty decimated right now by, um, Jabari having just come back and then key guys like Malcolm Brogdon being out. And, you know, obviously Matthew Delvedova isn't, you know, the guy you expect to give you a big scoring punch. Um, but you know, I mean, missing him doesn't, doesn't help. And, you know, again, that you just need a lot of more bench help and Sterling Brown's had a really bad week shooting the ball. Um, and again, like, you know, this is how benches tend to go. Like, you know, most teams don't have seven guys that can come out and get them, you know, 10 to 15 points every day. Right. Yeah. I mean, like in, in terms of their benches, I mean, it's usually you're dependent on three or four guys. And if, you know, three of the four guys or three, four of the five guys aren't effective for a few games in a row, you're going to be in a bad spot, you know, especially when you have injuries that you're dealing with. And, um, you know, you need stuff like Jason Terry randomly having, you know, a, a good shooting game on Saturday. Right. I mean, then all of a sudden the bench looks a lot better. So, um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's obviously one of those things. I mean, we're, you know, I, I, with Jabari coming back, my hope is that we talk a lot less about the marquee three or whatever. Um, but you know, again, it's obviously not the situation where Jabari is going to give you a lot every night. I mean, it's going to be a process for him. And, um, you know, I think again, it starts with the honest, but you know, some nights he's, he's not going to be at his best. And, you know, this month, I mean, he had a string before the Saturday game of five out of six games. He shot under 50%, which by his standards is a, a huge shooting slump. I mean, he's shooting 47% from the field, 64% from the line in January right now. I mean, he's, 
he's been bad offensively in, in January by his high standards. And, you know, a big part of that is the fact that he's, you know, gone against Porzingis twice or one and a half times, including that, that game where Porzingis got injured. He's gone against James Johnson. And he had that game against Jimmy Butler where he struggled as well. So, um, again, maybe part of it as well, like those ankles, maybe like is he completely over those tweaked ankles? Who knows? Right. You hope that he's obviously you know, feeling good. Um, but certainly for, for Giannis, he has not been at his best. But then he comes back with that game on Saturday where he scores 32 points and, you know, had long stretches where the Magic just had no answer for him. I just, it is funny that this is kind of what happens, that Giannis has a bad game and then it's, well, two and three weren't doing enough to make up for it. Well, number one was bad. Like, that that happened. And it, 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 it to me, it's always just kind of interesting that when Giannis is bad, we'll talk about it, but then it's, well, this guy wasn't good enough or that guy wasn't good enough. Well, Giannis hasn't been good enough, um, which, again, I understand how good Giannis is. I understand that he's an MVP candidate, but like, the, I think it speaks to two things. One, Giannis playing bad, and two, that Middleton and Bledsoe just aren't good enough. Like they're, they're not quite those number twos that are on that level. Like They might be better as threes, and, I, I mean, I, I don't know. It, it's just always interesting to me that – those are the moments where we come around to those guys not being good enough. And I don't, I don't know. It's just, it's just a weird thing. And I think it's that, that idea has kind of come to the forefront in the last two weeks. Like you look at Giannis go Minnesota, 17 points, then Knicks 29, 16, 23, 23, and then 32 uh, against the magic. So he's in a bit of a swoon and well, it's, it's a little bit more difficult on those two guys when, when number one isn't going quite right. Yeah, and I think I mean those. I mean, obviously, as you said, I mean we are spoiled, right? With the Giannis's yep. normal kind of high level of play, and I mean I think it's one of those things. I mean, a lot of star players have nights where they give you twenty three points on twenty one shots, right? But yep. um, the Bucks have obviously gotten used to getting better efficiency from Giannis than than that, and so it's it's obviously you know puts more pressure on these other guys for the Bucks to to be effective offensively and. Um, you know, I mean, the one positive in, in both these heat losses, the defense has actually been good, but <laughs> yeah. you know, the badness of the offense is totally overshadowed. Absolutely. Um, all right, let's go to the Magic game. One that was not good, not a good game to watch, not not fun to watch, and I guess you could kind of predict some of that with with it being a back to back and with the Magic not being a great team, and I think. One thing that stood out, and I know we, you and I both got some of the same tweets that we need to start giving Joe Prunty more credit. And initially, I was I was hesitant, and I kind of pushed back and said, "Well, you know what? They're playing they're playing crappy teams, so I'm just going to chill out for a little bit. I'm not going to go crazy and start praising Joe Prunty for beating uh, the." The Orlando Magics of the world. Um, that's not something I want to do. But at the same time, this is a Bucks team that flat out didn't show up in those games. Like they they weren't they weren't turning games against bad teams into professional wins. Other times this year, they were losing some of those games. And I, I guess I I do think maybe I'm at a point where I do need to give him a little bit more credit that they are actually pulling those out. That. Even on a night where against the Magic they just weren't good for the first three quarters, in the end they scored enough points and uh, went on a little run, got themselves a lead, and finished it off. So 
uh, where are you at on that? Because, uh, like I said, I'm hesitant to do so just because it's been like the worst part of the Bucks' schedule, the easiest part of the Bucks' schedule. Um, but at the same time, they are actually getting wins. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's one of these things too. Where with Prunty, it's hard, and I think you got to give him definitely credit for for coming in and um, stabilizing things, right? And, and yeah. bringing that consistency. Um, you know, again, like I don't think there have been games where the Bucks have like laid down, right? And I think as well. I mean, they're beating teams that they should beat, but they're doing it also with you know guys hurt, right? Yeah. I mean, Malcolm Brogdon's a, an important guy, you know. Um, Giannis has been dinged up. You know, John Henson's missed a couple games. Um, Delvadova has been out now the last few games. Um, you know, they're doing this with with guys at less than fifty percent. I mean, you know, Bledsoe was bad for those first few games of of Brunch's yeah. tenure as well, looking unhealthy basically in those games. Um, so I think that's that's something that I think. Prenti definitely deserves credit for you know I mean you know as much as everybody's since, since kids been here talked about next man up and all that it's actually come through you know I mean they've actually gotten whoever is available on any given night to actually play hard and and play well enough in most of these games to win and I mean they're you know again they, they've had some obviously a lot of games where maybe they weren't dominating these bad teams um, but you know at the end of the day I mean the Phoenix game was a, was a closer game than you'd want. The Knicks game at home was closer than you'd want. Um, certainly the Magic game, you could argue, was closer than you want. Um, but all of these games, I mean, they also had have had a bunch of games where they the, the quality eventually won out. And, you know, they kept going and they didn't have, you know, that, you know, a, a, other than the Miami game and Minnesota, I mean, they really haven't had, you know, really prolonged periods where they've just been, like, really bad, right? And they've yeah. just played them a lot of games or you know, made life extremely difficult on themselves. So I think Pronti definitely deserves credit. Um, I mean, for me, it's a lot of reason why I maybe don't talk about it all that much is just because I just don't think Joe Pronti's going to be, you know, the long-term solution. I just, you know, again, I, I don't think he's going to be the coach beyond this season. Um, and I know a lot of people, uh, at least in my timeline, will say, you know, things like, oh, you know, well, if, if he can keep keep them playing like this and win a playoff series and you got to consider him for the full-time job. And it's like, well, I'm sure he'll get an interview. I'm sure they'll like you know nominally consider him, um, but I, I you know again like I, I just don't think Prunty is ultimately going to be the answer here. I think they're going to you know th- th- there's there's bigger things going on than you know just getting rid of Jason Kidd and um, you know again not to <laughs> not to I don't know dismiss Joe Prunty as, as just being like totally incapable of this because I think he's doing a very solid job right now. Um, you know, again, I think, you know, you have to put it in the perspective of like, you know, you're trying to win a championship is is the guy who was the guy for that job, like just sitting under your nose this entire time under Jason Kidd. Um, you know, probably not. But um, but again, credit to him. I, I don't want to dismiss him. I don't you know want to diminish what he's done um, because I think everybody likes Joe Prenti. I think the players seem to like playing for him. Um, and obviously you hope that, you know, he's got a couple more months here to really show what he's capable of. Um, and we've seen, you know, interim coaches come in in many places and do a very nice job initially. Um, sort of that, you know, the rebound effect, you know, you yep. get rid of the coach that that maybe had worn out of his welcome and and people just respond you know players are people right i mean if if they didn't like playing for jason kidd then you know joe prenti especially with his style understandably could could get guys to maybe play better play more consistently and certainly especially with the injuries you have to give him definitely credit for that um but i think that's also a separate question as i said from you know is joe prenti the long-term solution for this so um so yeah shout out to joe prenti um but again i'm i'm not going to get carried away with like oh you know this seems pretty good that this is it like great yeah yeah, no, I think it makes a lot of sense. I, Like I said, when I first got some of those tweets this weekend, I, I thought to myself, 
okay, I'm going to reject this out of hand, but then thought about it a little bit and like, okay, I do need to be, I, I need to make sure we give him enough credit because it is, I mean, winning NBA games is not an easy job. It, it just isn't. Um, but at the same time, I think we both know like this guy, he's not the answer long-term. And again, he could have a great year and, and he could get himself into real consideration, but at the same time, I get, I think you're looking at something bigger. So I don't know. We'll we'll let it go for we'll I guess just continue to hopefully see the Bucks win games, and we'll get through the All Star break, and then uh, when the Bucks return, like the, uh, to me, I think things get much more serious uh, at Toronto versus the Pelicans versus the Wizards at Detroit. Indiana, Philadelphia, Indiana, Houston. That's a pretty serious stretch to to come out of the All-Star break. So obviously the Bucks have a little bit of time there to, if they want to change some things up, if they want to put some new things in, they'll have a little bit of time to do so. But at the same time, it's going to be a tough stretch. So we'll see what happens there. Um, moving on to, I guess, a, a little bit of a recap of that Orlando game. Uh, Giannis plays 38 minutes. Chris plays 36. Uh, we talked about against the Heat, uh, Giannis playing 40. Middleton only playing 31. Bledsoe playing 36. But um, I, I think that the Magic game did not go how the Bucks would want. I think you can probably justify playing Giannis longer minutes on that Friday night thinking, okay, take care of business on Saturday. Neither of those guys go above 30 minutes. They're just playing the magic. You should be able to get a win. Well, that didn't happen, and then they had to play a little bit more and actually really do their best to try to squeak out a win here. And looking at it, Giannis, 32 points, five rebounds, five assists, assists, a steal, excuse me, and two blocks. Middleton, 21 points, nine rebounds, seven assists on eight of 13 shooting. And Bledsoe, 18 points, eight assists, three rebounds, and a steal um, on six of 10 shooting. So efficient nights for both of the others and uh, obviously Giannis kind of comes back right out of whatever slump he might have been in and 32 points uh, not the most efficient eh, I guess not terrible 24 shots but um, not a not the most efficient night Giannis had but still a good night uh, Bucks end up winning that one and I guess uh, to me it felt like okay can the Bucks just put this one away and I was saying that from I think the second quarter on, <laughs> as soon as as soon as we got out of the first quarter, it's like okay, just just take that 10-0 run and put this away. And it didn't happen. It didn't happen. And then finally in the fourth quarter, uh, get a couple threes from Jason Terry, and it happened. Yeah, and I mean, and this you know, as much as we talk about the Bucks missing guys, I mean, the Magic also you know are missing guys as well. I mean, you know, they they they've been without Aaron Gordon, who certainly defensively is the guy that you'd look at as being having the best chance of of slowing Giannis down. Um and they were without him tonight. Um Jonathan Simmons did play, but uh, Simmons just 9 points on 4 to 14 shooting and you know, I mean the Magic without Nikola Vucevic forcing Bismack Biyombo into starting. Um Aaron Gordon not playing. I mean, they got actually some big performances from some guys that you wouldn't expect. It. I mean, Shelvin Mack, 19 and 10, yes. um, 8 out of 10 shooting. Uh, Zonia, 8 out of 16, 23 points. Um, let's just say the Bucks defense did not uh, bring their best today uh, or, or on Saturday. Um, but again, you know, the offense was, was good enough. And, um, you know, they were able to kind of, you know, just ease their way past the magic. I don't know if I ever was 
super nervous, um, although the Magic did get the game pretty close there in the fourth quarter. But, um, you know, again, this is one of those games that you don't necessarily put a star next to. It's a great performance. But, um, you know, in in the spirit of taking care of business, I guess you could say that's that is what this game was. Yeah. Uh, the, like I said before, I was just waiting for the Bucks to take care of business and get the game over with. And I thought that could have happened anytime starting the second quarter. It didn't happen until the fourth quarter, um, but they, they finally were able to put it away. And yeah, you don't want to see close games against the Orlando Magic, but if you are going to have one, you better make sure you win it. And that's exactly what the Bucks did. Um, thinking about that game, you mentioned Bismack Biombo starting. I... I had a Photoshop ready. Um, it was going to be Spider-Man meme and Photoshops of Biombo's head and Thon Maker's head on Spider-Man bodies pointing at each other um, because they they seem to share some similar traits and not catching passes and generally being uh, able to play high-level NBA basketball player. And then Thon Maker had a good game. So that Photoshop did not end up getting tweeted out um so i thought you're, i thought you're gonna say that and then you remember that biombo is actually a good rebounder um <laughs> yes yeah, something like that um but yeah it, it didn't end up happening um but again thon kind of had a i'm trying to think someone asked me is thon getting better is he out of his i don't know slump is not the right word but is he starting to come around and it's like i don't know like, what is coming around? Like, what do I expect out of Thon Maker? What is he supposed to do? Do I expect Giannis to keep throwing him impossible passes and him somehow managing to come up with it underneath the basket and dunking? No, I don't. Um, but that's kind of what happened. And uh, in that he, in that Magic game, 13 points, three rebounds and an assist uh, for – or, excuse yeah, and an assist and a block for Thon. And then uh, in the Heat game – Thon had eight points, three rebounds, uh, and a block there as well, uh, four for five shooting. So I guess slightly better nights, but at the same time, like, uh, his, his, this sophomore season has still been a disappointment. I, I just think maybe recently you've seen uh, – I don't even know what to call it. Like He's just been more solid as of late. Yeah. I mean, to me, it looks like um, he's not rolling as much on pick and rolls. He's – shooting 2.23 per game in February, granted just six games, but um, the last three months before that, 1.3, 0.6, and 1.3 um, three-pointers attempted per game. Um, you know, he's not hitting a ton of them, just 31% in February, 32% for the season. Um, but just from a usage standpoint, it's just like, I, I just, you know, if Thon doesn't try to space the floor, like offensively there really is no point to him because he's not offensive rebounding um, yep. when he's inside inside the paint. Um, so, so yeah, I, I think you know again some signs of of positivity. I mean, shooting fifty one percent in these six February games, looking a little bit more lively. Um, as you said, I mean, Giannis, uh, I don't I, that that pass he threw to him. I think it was a two handed chest pass yeah. from like just inside half court. Um, kind of like you know it was like one of those like throws over the middle to like a tight end. Uh, I don't know what kind of route it you'd you'd call it, but you know one of those like tight end routes where they're going over the middle and you you know throw it in a window. The quarterback just yep barely fits it in there and that was what that pass was from Giannis so nice to see Giannis with the hashtag cool pass um 
and as you said and you tweeted out you know we 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 have these like ingrained in our memory the times when Thon actually catches really difficult passes <laughs> and they always come from Giannis it seems we we talked about the one against Brooklyn that that alley-oop that he threw down from Giannis um that Pistons game from last year you tweeted out the rifle pass in overtime that Giannis made to him that somehow he caught and finished in this game um obviously the hard part was the catch because there was a lot of mustard on that one but um you know again I think that also speaks to Giannis and and you know like subtle things like the leadership he shows I mean he obviously likes Thon um you know he's a guy that that I think is a big Thon supporter um and you know I think challenging a guy to to make plays and actually do stuff um is a positive right I mean if you constantly throwing passes he can't catch <laughs> he's fumbling him away then that's probably not going to help his confidence but um you know it seems like he's been able to make plays that Thon has actually shown he can actually you know catch the ball and, and finish and, yeah. and those are obviously positive things I mean they're small um but I think for a guy like Thon I mean just seeing the ball go through the hoop um making those basic plays I mean you know again you don't need that many of those per night for him to have actually a pretty productive night and um you know I think defensively I don't know. It seems like we've seen fewer bad mistakes from Thon. Um, and maybe part of that's just because it seems like he's kind of switching more, maybe keeping things a little simpler defensively. So, um, you know, again, hopefully those things continue. I think Tyler Zeller had some solid moments, uh, especially, you know, just yep. with his activity on the boards um, over the weekend, especially uh, in Orlando. And then you know, on Friday, he didn't really look terribly um, in sync. But, um, but yeah, I think certainly Zeller. It'll be interesting, to see, right? I mean, I don't want Zeller to take all of Thon's minutes, right? I no. think you know it'd be nice to see Thon continue to get minutes. I mean, that's you know was our one of our big reasons why we didn't really want to see that Zeller trade in the first place, just because I think we're both willing to live with Thon's struggles in, in the in the spirit of seeing him try to grow and get better and try to turn a corner. Um, but obviously, you know, if he can continue to get some minutes, um, especially with John Henson being in and out of the lineup, missing Saturday's game with that hamstring injury, um, you know, you're probably going to need Thon at some point and, and good to see him being able to contribute. And obviously good to see Zeller also, you know, uh, if, if he came in and looked like a complete stiff, obviously then that would make that trade <laughs> feel even more pointless, especially with some of the guys that are going to be hitting the buyout market. Yeah. And you mentioned getting, on those minutes like you look at the heat game and it was 21 for henson and 13 ish 14 for maker and 13 14 for zeller like i think i'm pretty okay with that like you give both maker and zeller some shots in the first half and i don't mean shots but opportunities to play um you give them that opportunity see what they have in that first run and see who dictates getting more but i like you said i don't want to see makers minutes disappear like those are things that i think you need to find out about thon about what he can do for you going forward and how much trust you might be able to have in him and just kind of what he is so you need to get him those minutes so that'll be something to watch um well the only thing i'd add there too i mean saturday i mean you don't notice it because you don't have henson you don't have jabari i think the the one thing will be interesting to watch you know a month six weeks from now when Jabari hopefully is playing bigger minutes, you know, if you're trying to get Jabari 25 to 30 minutes and you have all your centers healthy, um, you know, how does all that square? Right. I think that'll be interesting to watch. Um, just because again, like you're going to want to try to get some of those minutes with Giannis and Jabari at the four or five, um, this season, if for no other reason than to just see how it looks, because if you are going to give Jabari a ton of money this off season, you want to have some confidence that that combination can work and um and be something that you can use as a weapon moving forward and not just be you know around round peg square hole or, or whatever type type of thing that you're trying so um so certainly on a day like saturday you know 
it's all it's all hands on deck given the injuries and Jabari sitting out with you know the understandable back to back rest. Um, but certainly as guys get healthy, hopefully Henson isn't out long. Um, hopefully we'll see more of that. Yeah, I, I, where Jabari fits in and how he fits in, I think is going to be an interesting topic and one that we'll we will surely talk about in the coming weeks because uh, obviously he sat out that back to back because you don't want to put him in that situation quite yet. When can he start playing those? When do his minutes ramp up even further? And just kind of how does that all progress? So uh, we'll keep an eye on that. But I think that's pretty much our weekend recap. Uh, Bucks win one against the Heat. They lose, excuse me, reverse that. They lose one against the Heat. They win one against the Magic uh, and are able to come away with a split, a 3-1 and one road trip, which obviously I think is a positive anytime you go on the road for a week to come back with three out of four. So uh, a good road trip for the Bucks, and we will have two games this week. Uh, the Hawks on Tuesday, the Nuggets on Thursday, uh, and we will recap both of those for you. So we'll get right right back into the swing of things before the All-Star break, and uh, we will talk to you tomorrow for Frank and maybe Matilda. I'm not sure if you got to hear, uh, but for Frank and Matilda, I'm Eric. This has been Locked on Bucks. We'll talk to you later.